When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's a pleasure to bring you a brand new episode which will come to you from next week every Wednesday. The title quite simply is In Conversation with Lee Ryder. The premise as it says, we'll sit down every week with our chief sports writer Lee Ryder and cover one topic. Now it won't always be topical but it will be Castanated related as we tap into these 19 years covering the club for the Chronicle. It'll be coming to you on our audio channel and our YouTube channel too. So if you could like us and subscribe, depending on where you're coming from, that would be great. You can get in touch with me, Andrew Musgrove, on Twitter or an, on email at the eibwpodcast at reachplc.com. And we'd like you to suggest what topics that we cover in this mini series. Now, the first topic we're going to cover. It's all about Newcastle United legend. It is now Berto Solano. But before we get into that, Lee, welcome. Um, are you excited for this mini series and a chance to share your insight? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's a pleasure to talk about Newcastle United uh, at any time, um, and certainly, you know, looking back on great moments and you know, even looking at the future. There's so much to look forward to at the minute. So, any aspect of talking Newcastle is uh, is great with me. Certainly is, and uh, what a place to start as well with the Newcastle United legend Alberto Solano, a man that you know very well. The winger has just been inducted into the Newcastle United Hall of Fame, and as players who are deservingly of that accolade, especially over the last thirty years or so, I don't think anyone would argue. Alberto Solano is right at the top of that list, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he's he's just one of the the ultimate legends for me. I think. He obviously came to the club um, under Kenny Daglish and within a few weeks, Ken Daglish had been sort of sacked. Um, so I think that was a big surprise to him when that happened. But um, it, it, it didn't deter him. He, uh, he continued just to keep his head down and keep working. Got accustomed to the language, got accustomed to the culture. And it's a bit like the Philippe Albert scenario, really, where he, he bought into the area, he bought into the city. Um, and obviously he's back here now and, he, and he's living here. So that for me says it all. Um, but what a player, what a technician, what a goal scorer, what an assist maker, you know, one of the leaders in the dressing room. And, and as you know yourself, having done talkings with him and things like that, so fun to be around um, and so friendly as well. And I think that's, that's a big thing with Premier League footballers. You know, so, some players, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to mix with, with the supporters and, and people, but Nobby Solano is not one of them. He's he's so um, accommodating whenever a fan comes his way. Yeah, let's start there. Let's talk about the person, Alberto Solano, before we delve into his career at Newcastle United, because you are right. You know, some people in the position that Nobby finds himself in, you know, as one of the legends of this great club, could be a bit standoffish, you know, they could be getting a bit irritated, having to stop every two minutes or so for autographs or photographs, but Nobby just laps it up, you know, he's got time for the fans, he always makes time and it is wonderful to see, he's just a nice humble guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is, and, and I think when you actually witness that, which which me and you have, um, you see that 
you know you're dealing with a real star then because they do have time for the people and, and the media and stuff like that. And, you know, when he's in a room, you know, he kind of becomes the centre of that room. All the energy seems to to direct towards him and he deals with that so well. Um, but it was the same on a pitch as well. I think when Newcastle had that great golden period under Sir Bobby, a lot of the goals came through Nobby, Solano, and I just think, as I say, Alan Shearer, I think, got so many assists from him. Um, but he wasn't the only one. He was just a brilliant, um, brilliant guy on and off the field and uh, continues to be a great ambassador for, for Newcastle United. Mm. I bumped into him on Saturday after the Luton game and he comes over and he shakes my hand. He says, how are you, Andrew? And is it is it is a fan growing up watching Alberto Solano to kind of have that moment where, you know, he recognises you, he's, he's remembered your name. It, it is, you kind of take him up and go, wow, I mean, he's just a nice, uh, friendly guy. But you mentioned there as well, it's funny, you you you. 100% correct. When he's in a room, everything kind of goes towards him. Yet he doesn't necessarily expect it. And I'm not going to say he feels uncomfortable at it because he doesn't, but it's kind of like, I think sometimes he's taken aback by the fact that everyone loves Norberto Salon and wants a bit of his time. Absolutely. And um, I, I think last year we seen it, didn't we? we done the black and white uh, talking at the Irish Centre and, you know, it was a packed house. And, you know, I, I, I took him down that night to, to the Irish centre and, you know, there was people waiting outside for his autograph and, you know, waiting for pictures and stuff like that. People who, you know, who weren't going in the event, into the event. Um, but, you know, once he came in that room, you seen it, you heard it, the roar went up for him. And uh, I think that just, just sums up what a, what a great servant he was for the club. And as I say, continues to be that great ambassador for Newcastle United. Yeah, so many great stories that he told on that night. And we're going to go right back to the start, Lee. As you said, signed in 1998 by Kenny Daglish, one of Kenny's final signings for Newcastle United for just £2.5 million. He was the first Peruvian to play in the Premier League and remains the only one of any note to do so. Do you think at the time, Lee, when Newcastle signed Solano, they realised they'd be signing someone who would go the distance and become a club legend? Well, I think Kenny Daglish got a lot of critics um, during his time in Newcastle, but I think he had, he definitely had an eye for a player, and I think he was trying to build something longer term than he, he got the the opportunity to do really. And if you, you know, he is deemed the man who broke up the entertainers almost, and you know, sold Ginola, uh, Les Ferdinand went, I think Tino Sprilla went on on his watch as well. Um, so all these big names kind of disappeared but if you look at the signings he did make they all went on and had a real impact at the club Shea Given, Nobby Solano, Gary Speed, uh, Andy Griffin they all had big moments in a black and white shirt and went on and you know Bobby Robson inherited a strong squad and a lot of that squad was was built by by Kenny so you've got to give him um, a lot of credit for that I think he must have been tipped off by Somebody in South America that, you know, Nobby Solano was a player who was capable of, let's remember, sharing a pitch with Diego Maradona and, you know, not not making it difficult for Maradona to do his thing, but also taking turns with the free kicks and the set pieces and things like that. Um, so you knew you were dealing with a player who was used to being in the, in the limelight. Um, I think, you know, his history in, in Peru is probably one of the most famous Peruvians, I think. Uh, his wedding was televised live uh, in Peru. I think he appeared on a stamp at one point. Um, and yeah, it's again, you know, we talk about him 
getting a good reception here. Um, imagine what it's like when he goes back to, to Lima. Um, you know, he's just treated like a god over there. But again, he's just so humble with it. And, um, you know, you can only imagine um, what he means to the people of Peru too. Mm, indeed. And, and why do you think he settled so well on Tyneside? Now, I, I don't know if this is the same for, for other clubs. I imagine it might be for, for some, like, say, Manchester United perhaps. But a lot of players who aren't from Newcastle, they tend to come back and set up home here. You've got Malcolm McDonald's is an example. And there's others who live on Tyneside once retiring. And Nobby has done that. He's gone away. He's had coaching experience. Obviously, he's gone back to his homeland for a little bit. And he's gone over uh, other countries in Europe as well. But he's back here now. He lives here. What is it about Newcastle? And why do you think Nobby does call it home and managed to settle so well to, to be able to call it home? Well, I think he's from kind of um, a working class background. Um, I know, you know, his parents worked very hard to, to get him through sort of football and, and education and things like that. Um, so I think he is, you know, he is used to, to hard work and, you know, he knows, especially with the Geordies, he knows that people during the week will go to work and, and, and the big treat at the end of the week is to go and watch Newcastle United entertain them on, on the hallowed turf at St James's Park. Um, and I think he never lost sight of that. But he also knew that for the fans to buy into a player, they like to see players tracking back, getting tackles in. And I think he was always a player that was prepared to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons why the, he kind of uh, he chimed with a lot of people, you know. And then there's the obviously the other part of it. You know, if, if Newcastle got a good win, I think he would happily go, go out and have a night on the town. Um, and, you know, celebrate with the fans almost. But I think he also had the presence of mind. If Newcastle didn't play well or, you know, they got beat or they didn't do what they should have done, I think he always had a, a bit of a night in as well. So he knew when there was the right time to um, appreciate the fans and he knew the times when not to upset them. So I think that's really important to take into consideration as well. I'm really disappointed, Lee, there, because I thought you were going to mention the word trumpet, because everyone knows about Nobby Solano and his trumpet. It's a question he gets asked all the time, and it's kind of something that goes along with him. He tells a great story about um, Sir Boy Robson daring not to pick him and, uh, and blowing his trumpet and annoying him um, in the in the canteen and stuff. Um, but on the pitch, you know, his crossing ability league was just ready-made for Alan Shearer, and, and United's all-time record goal scorer has said on record that Solano is the best crosser of the ball he's played with. So, as compliments go, they don't get much bigger than that, do they? No, they don't. And, you know, I I can speak um, at first hand. I mean, I was lucky enough. There was, there was a few summers ago where there was a bit of a sort of uh, all, all Newcastle players having um, playing five-a-side and the likes of Nobby Solano was involved, Olivia Bernard, and a couple of the other young lads who were trying to get fit for, for pre-season. Uh, and they were, they were short numbers, so basically I got I got drafted in to, to play alongside him. And, th- and it was only then that I really... I mean, I knew he was brilliant. I knew his assists were amazing and all the things you're saying, all right. But it was only then when you actually experience a pass or a cross from a player of that calibre, you you know, we've all played Sunday League and five-a-sides and had bad teammates and people who won't pass the ball. But when you re- receive that service on a plate, it's like a silver service. The ball's being delivered to you on this silver platter. You know, it stops perfectly for you and all you've got to do is basically bundle it in the net. And then, you know, there was times where we were playing 
on the bigger pitches and these crosses that were coming in you know you just you couldn't actually couldn't miss because it was so perfect all he was saying was just make sure you run to the front of the near post uh the back post um and I'll, I'll pick you out and i just thought wow i mean that's exceptional to you know it's surreal to, to be in that situation but also i think that was the moment that i really appreciated the true quality of him. I knew he was great, but when you actually experience it on a pitch, um, at whatever level you want to call it, um, it was an amazing, amazing moment. And what do you think it meant to him knowing that he had a, a striker like Alan Shearer to provide? You know, you can be a great winger, but if you haven't got the marksman up front who can put the crosses in the back of the net, it all becomes a bit wasteful in, in many ways. But he knew he had arguably the best striker ever to grace the Premier League there waiting and ready to put the crosses in the back of the net. Yeah, well, Chira, as we know, was world-class and you can put Solano in that same bracket because, you know, I think he must go about 80, 90 caps of Peru, played in many Copa Americas and played against the, the, the brilliant Brazil teams, the brilliant Argentina teams. So he knew um, exactly what was required for a you know, player of Alan Shearer's uh, undoubted quality and I think the feeling was mutual both ways because I remember at the very start of covering Newcastle for for the Chronicle um did an interview with Alan Shearer and it was the second time that we'd signed Nobby Solano um and he basically said he was he was injured at the time and I said you know are you looking forward to him coming back he says I'm looking forward to him coming back immensely because He'd missed him for those two years where he was at Aston Villa. And um, it, the service hadn't been good. Newcastle had struggled. They signed Michael Owen, yes. But Alan Shearer was sort of coming towards the end of his career. And I think he really wanted to be back on the pitch with someone who understood his game. I think if you go back to the start um, of Shearer's career at Newcastle, they got frustrated with David Ginola making runs to the front post, making runs to the back post. And then he's cutting inside and dropping, you know, back the other way, and he's making that run for nothing. I think, and I, I think the word they did have, um, I think they did have really bad words. I think there was a few, you know, explosive moments in the dressing room uh, that, you know, that combination just didn't gel as well as it should because Ginola was maybe taking too many touches. But whereas Nobby Solano, I think he knew straight away, I've got Alan Shearer on the team, I need to get the ball to him in exactly the right places and make the most of him, and no surprise. Um, they qualified for the Champions League um, while those two were part of the front line. So, um, two great players together. Yeah, great partnership. And if um, the stats on transfer market are correct, Alberto Solano registered 78 assists in all competitions for Newcastle United, 48 goals and 315 appearances. I mean, that is a massive number of assists. It'd be interesting to see that broken down and who was on the end of it. You imagine Alan Shearer was on, on the end of most of those crosses. Um, and we've mentioned there the fact that he was able to defend and track back and he, he put the hard work in and in helping his teammates out. Mentioned there the, the goals that he scored. I think everyone, Lee, will remember that goal against Arsenal that he scored uh, with the outside of his foot. I watched it the other day when it was announced he was in the uh, getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Wonderful strike, um, wonderful finish, and he really did have a, an eye for goal. Yeah, he did. I think there was another one against Everton as well that was a similar ilk to that one. Um, but he knew 
he knew when to you know turn on the styling games as well when it was needed when it stepped things up um i think i i mean i enjoy that arsenal i remember covering that game i think um it was during the time where we were still doing the pink and i think i remember ringing the copy over for that and you know it was a wonderful win against arsenal and i think really for for nobby i think there were many great moments i mean the one that the one that probably will stick out for me is the the last gasp winner against um leeds united and the one four three and bobby robson was running up and down the touchline you know to to see that level of enthusiasm from the manager um was brilliant but that that summed it up but again the assists and it wasn't just the obvious assists as well i think there was a goal against um west brom where it was a sort of indirect free kick and uh he was kind of had his foot over the wall and the wall kept moving forward and he kept trying to catch them out and then you know just when they weren't expecting it he kind of rolled it to to Shira and he like slammed it in and it, just little crafty moments like that on the pitch uh was such a such a big part of his his career at Newcastle he was just such a, a clever player a, you know deep thinker someone who understood the game uh and no surprise you know he's gone on have that great coaching career with Peru, getting them to World Cup, Copa America, last stages, only losing to the likes of, well, I think actually beat Brazil in one game, which is a huge result. So, you know, a class coach as well, uh, and able to pass on the know-how to, to the younger people around him. Mm, and yeah, you, you're right to, to mention that game against Leeds. There's also a game against Derby as well, which ended in similar fashion, a late winner. And I imagine I remember him having quite a, a game in, in, in that one as as well. But I mean, the knowledge that you mentioned there, Lee, that he can pass on. He's you know he's played with uh, some of the world's best players. He's played for some really big clubs, not just Newcastle United. You mentioned you know Maradona, of course, and it's great to see as well that he is. Um, given back to the community with his with his coaching uh, school as well, and given the, the chance of uh, you know youngsters here on Tyneside the chance to learn from a from a real master. Yeah, absolutely, and I think in in years gone by, the English game like it ha- hasn't produced too many players of real technical ability. You know, compared to South America, where it's just phenomenal over there, and I think. For years in the nineties, the the English sort of teams were very robust, very get it up the pitch as quick as they can, and you know try and almost beat up teams tournaments in the in the nineties, um, and and struggled badly to when they went in against a technical team, you know like you know a South American team or a Holland, as well. You know the Euro- the top European teams, we just couldn't live with them because we didn't have technical ability and. And to be honest, I'm from a generation where you weren't you weren't really taught technical skills. It was basically, you know, just, just go out and just kick each other. Basically, that's that's the the generation I, I was sort of born in. Obviously, you had your, your great players, um, but you know, I mean, I I remember going back to to youth football and in one of the first games I played, I think I tried to play a pass across the penalty area. And I just got absolutely like shouted at, you know, given loads of stick. Don't do that. You don't pass it across your own penalty area. Whereas these days you see now, you know, the goalkeeper gets it and it's going back and forwards. And kids are taught that now. Whereas, you know, back then, completely different ball game, really. And um, I think that's the sort of things Nobby Solano is trying to 
to pass on to these youngsters to, to be a better player and look after the ball a bit better. Um, and I think that can only be a, a major thing going forward. Yeah, indeed. And you mentioned there the fact that he, he left to join Aston Villa, he came back. And, and I remember being in the crowds, watching Michael Owen being unveiled at St. James's Park. We were all in the Leaser's End. Lovely sunny day, and there's Michael Owen in a, in a black and white shirt. And everyone just started chanting Norberto Solano's name. And Freddie Shepard then went out the next day and brought him back. And for, I mean, I don't know how many people were in that Leaser's End. I think I've seen numbers of up to 20,000 Um you know, at the stadium that day. But few players have that impact, Lee, where you have, you know, that amount of people wanting you back, making it known on a day when you've just broken the club's transfer record. And actually, yeah, people were excited about Michael Owen, but they wanted Norberto Salon about. That's what they wanted that day. And few players have had that impact uh, before or since uh, Norberto Salano. Yeah, and the, the, the old same football, you know, don't go back, don't go back a second time, it'll never be as good. But I think he's the exception to the rule because, you know, when he did come back, um, Newcastle quickly settled settled down again when he, once he got fit again. And I think um, in his last season, um, sorry, his first season back after the unveiling that you just mentioned there, uh, he helped Newcastle get into the in the Toto Cup, which was a remarkable achievement because I think going into February, they were like second bottom of the table. Um, and they just went on this wonderful run with Glenn Roder. He came in as caretaker manager. And I remember, you know, he said at the time, Nobby's going to be one of my key players here. Uh, and yeah, they just went on and uh, had that great run, great sort of end to Alan Shearer's career as well, helping Newcastle get into Europe beating Sunderland 4-1 as well. Uh, and Nobby was part of all that. And thankfully, um, it, it helped Alan Shearer's career end on a bit of a high. I'm sure he would have loved to have capped it with silverware or maybe getting in the Champions League. But compared to what happened that season, you know, when it felt like we could get possibly get relegated here, that was a great moment. Um, and it was part of Nobby's sort of second... Um, second coming at Newcastle. It certainly was. And in terms of where you would list them, Lee, in the great Newcastle United wingers, so before our time, you know, you've got the likes of uh, Terry Hibbert, for example, or, or Tony Green's always spoken about really, really uh, highly by fans who were lucky enough to watch them players. Um, and then you go into the 80s and maybe, um, you know, people might talk about potentially Chris Waddle on the flank. I mean, you correct me whether he played out on the left or a bit more centrally, but where does Solano rank in, in terms of the, the wingers that, that you've seen um, for Newcastle United? Yeah, I mean, he's probably right. He's probably right at the top, really, for me, when you you know when you talk about that assist rate that, that he got, 78 assists, you can't put him anywhere but at the top for me. Um, but he, he's right up there. I mean, obviously, I watched David Ginola, um, who could be a frustrating player. Could be a frustrating player in terms of you'd think he was going to put a cross in and he would cut inside. And as I said, there, Alan Shearer got frustrated with him. Um, so Ginola would be right up there. I think Keith Gillespie's another one who I enjoyed watching. I mean, he was I mean, he had the explosive pace, Keith Gillespie. No surprise that the season Newcastle nearly won the league. Um, the 12-point advantage at the top it disappearing coincided with 
Keith Gillespie getting injured. And uh, again, another another player that you get the chance to have a bit of a game with in, in charity games. And uh, yeah, he's another one who's put a, put a couple of goals on a plate for me uh, in a game like that. You know, um, you just have to arrive on the line and tap it in really. But look, Keith Gillespie was, was right up there as well. And um, it was just such a shame that Newcastle didn't win something with him in the team. And, you know, one of them where, you know, you, you look at the crossing ability, I think, for Gillespie in that Barcelona game, it was fantastic. But for me, the very top probably would be Nobby Solano in terms of that assist rate and the goals and everything else he brought to the table. And if you're Anthony Gordon, perhaps, or Harvey Barnes, and you're looking around at wingers to, to emulate at Newcastle United, I mean, neither um, are in are, are in the in the breath of, of Norberto Solano at this time. But you look at Anthony Gordon; he's got um, the best years ahead of him, and he's 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 doing really well this season. So, in time, if he keeps working hard and things keep going for him, he may well be mentioned in the same breath. But I suppose it is the likes of Norberto Solano that those wingers have to look to and think. You know, that's where I want to reach. I want to be that level at the very least. Yeah, I mean, again, sort of you go back to the technical ability and that that's what that's what he had um but in terms of numbers in terms of records and statistics that's not a bad it's not a bad uh, tally to have um and if anyone can get anywhere near that then they've, they've done unbelievably well um but yeah you just you just hope that you know the fact that he's, he's been named in the hall of fame at newcastle that's a great accolade. It's a great recognition for him. Um, it's something that may not have happened under previous owners, um, but for him to get that, I was I was delighted to delighted to hear that news. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And he is um, kind of back involved with the club. He's on the um, kind of after dinner circuit. But do you think maybe there will be a chance at some point that he gets uh, maybe a coaching or something like that? Do you think he deserves to maybe go to the to the on field kind of uh, side of things? Well, I think he's he's already done uh, various jobs. Obviously, did a brilliant job with Peru. I think he was at uh, Universitario in Peru as well, where he was dealing with a very small budget, young lads. Um, he did a very good job with them as well. So, I think there is a if an opportunity came up for him at Newcastle, then you you wouldn't get a better better club icon to. To, to bring in but it wouldn't just be about that it would be about the fact that he's also a very good coach as well it's not just because he's had a good playing career at Newcastle because sometimes that doesn't sort of transfer but I think for me um, the fact he's already a very good coach deep thinker has a philosophy has a, a really deep knowledge of South American players you know you'd, you'd almost be buying an encyclopedia of South American footballers if you brought Nobby Solano on the staff. Um, I'm surprised it hasn't happened um, in the past. Um, but again, it's about it's about timing your run and sometimes the opportunity isn't there, isn't available. So have to have to wait and see um, if if he can, you know, one day get on the coaching staff. I know Eddie Howe regards him very highly. He had him down to do a chat with the players last season. Uh, they put all his highlights on a big on a big screen in front of all the first team players and the likes of Dan Byrne and Paul Dummett were obviously, you know, delighted to be in the same room as him. So he's got the presence and he's got all the 
he's got all the ability to to do it. So yeah, good luck to him. Hope hope something there, uh, hope something can come his way. Yeah, maybe one to watch. And just to sign off, then Lee, um, how would you sum up Norberto Solano's playing career at Newcastle United? If you if you were telling someone who wasn't really aware of how good he was, what what would you say to them? Oh, I mean, it's it's one of them where you know we we've got a lot of good players on the books at the minute, and we've paid a lot of money for some from some top stars. Um, but for me, I think. You would put you would put him up in the elite bracket of, of former Newcastle United players. Um, certainly, if you were compiling a, a top twenty, he'd walk into that. He may he may even get in the top fifteen or a top ten of greatest all time Newcastle United players. Um, obviously, we've had the great strikers, the great number nines. We've had the great playmakers like you know Gascoigne. Um, we've we've had your Rob Lees and David Batty's, but Nobby Slano is a very as i say keeps i keep saying the word technical he he epitomizes that word uh because he's just so good on the ball and uh you know the fact that alan shearer appreciated him so much and all the players he played with under sir bobby robson um i know he's still close mates with people like lauren robert and ollie bernard um they they love him to bits and you know there's a reason why because he brings so much to the table Indeed, indeed. Um, Well, this has been the first episode of In Conversation with Lee Ryder. Hope you guys have enjoyed it. Please hit like and subscribe through whichever platform you're joining us through. And me and Lee will be back next week. Um, And from me and Lee, we'll see you guys very soon. Mm -hmm.